There we go. Podcast on. We're good with the podcast, they say back there. Got a lot of papers floating around up here today. Everybody here this morning, Sister Pam came in a little, little late after handing these out. I don't know. Anybody else? Everybody else get one of these handouts here? It's got some definitions on it today we're going to cover. I'll give you one for your brother. I sure will. He can listen on the podcast. All right, today, today I will title this message, The Fruit of Being Led by the Spirit. We've heard of the fruit of the Spirit, but we get this fruit by being led by the Spirit, right? This is the, this is the fruit that the Spirit wants us to have in our life. But we have to be led by the Spirit to develop this. We have to develop our spirit and be led by the Spirit to, to uh, render this type of fruit. So to recap on with you, the last couple of weeks we preached about the Spirit living inside of you, right? Remember two weeks ago we preached about the Spirit living inside of you. Everybody knows that the Spirit lives inside of you. From the day that you're saved, from the time that you accept Jesus as your personal Savior, right, and you surrender it all to Him, follow me? He lives inside of you. The Spirit of God lives inside of you. The Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit, whatever you like to call Him, it's a Him, not an it. He's a Him, not an it. So whatever you like to call Him, the Holy Ghost, what I like to call Him. It's a little bit old school, but, but it gets the point across. So the Holy Ghost lives inside of you from the time that you're saved. The Spirit leads you, I preached on last week. Remember all the ways that He leads you? The number one way is through the Word, right? The Word of God. The written word of God, all scripture is inspired by God. All scripture was breathed by God, right? Breathed by God, so through the word. He leads us through peace a lot of times. If you just know that you have peace in the situation, then that's, he'll lead you in that way sometimes. He'll lead you through having peace. He'll lead you through a quickening. He'll, he'll quicken you in your spirit. Hey, do this. Hey, do that. Go over there and do, do this for this person or, or, or that or, or whatever it is. He'll, he'll quicken us in our spirit like that. He'll check us in our spirit sometimes. He'll say, hey, you shouldn't be talking like that, Sister Tony. You shouldn't be talking like that, Pastor Forrest, whoever it is. You shouldn't be talking that way. You shouldn't be doing these things. He'll check us in our spirit. You shouldn't treat that person that way, right? You shouldn't be participating in this, in this thing, whatever it is. He'll check us in our spirit. He, he can lead us through a vision. He can lead, lead us through a dreams. He can lead us through dreams. He can lead us through prophecies, right? All these things, though, come back to the word. If someone tells you they had a prophecy that, that involves your life, it has to... Come back to the word. If, if it's out of line with the word, whatever the thing is that you think you have a leading in, if it's out of line with the word of God, then it's just out of line. Right? That makes sense? The Holy Ghost is a gentleman, though, and you have a free will. God's given each and every one of us a free will, so you have to be open and humble to respond. To, and you have to realize that his ways are higher than our ways. His ways are higher than my ways. If I don't realize that his ways are higher than my ways, and it's easy to do, that happened to the Israelites in the woods, didn't it? They walked around the wilderness for 40 years. They got to thinking it was on them that they had done these things. They even, they even gave the credit to a golden calf at one time. Well, he's the one that brought us out of there, right? They weren't humble. They weren't, they weren't looking at it like God did this for them. So we're talking about the fruit of the Spirit today. Then. The fruit of the Spirit is produced or manifested when we follow the leading of the Spirit. Do you all agree with that? Then give me a good amen if you agree with that. You have to follow the leading of the Spirit to produce the fruits of the Spirit. You're not just suddenly going to produce the fruits of the Spirit if you're not following the leading of the Spirit. He's always leading, but we're not always following. Follow me? That was a good time to throw that in there, Brother Winston. <laughs> so, hence the title, The Fruit of Being Led by the Spirit. We, have, we, we produce these fruits when we're led by the Spirit. So, let's, let's go ahead, with, without further ado, and read the fruits of the Spirit. Uh, Galatians 5, 22 and 23. You have your papers right there? I'm going to read the scripture first. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such 
There is no law. There is no law when you're following the Spirit. spirit, There's going to be no law come against you of God's law I'm talking about. So let's read them here. And and I put here the the Greek for the word, the Greek definition for the word, because all you all know that the the Bible's translated, right, from the Greek and the Hebrew into English in 1611, King, King James Right? That's why it has all of these and thous in the King James Bible, because that's the way they spoke in that day. It was 400 years. The language has evolved since then. Our language to what we speak today, the English we speak today. So this, is, this goes back to the original Greek. The, the word love here, and there's, there's different kinds of love, but this word he's talking about here, love, is agape. That's the Greek word for love. It means affection or benevolence, a love, a love feast, a charity. The Webster's definition of love is an intense affection or concern for each other. Right? Pretty simple. We, we probably all already knew that one. So joy. Joy is not to be confused with happiness. Because as we read the definition of joy, it comes, God is the source of our joy, but happiness can come from a person, a thing, right? An emotion. Happiness is an emotion, but joy is ongoing. Happiness comes and goes. It has lulls and peaks and valleys, but joy is ongoing, right? It's, for, it's from the Lord. He's the source of it. The Greek is chara, cheerfulness, calm, delight, gladness, great, exceeding joy. We all have that fruit all the time, don't we? Never get cross with our spouse, with our children, with our waitress when they bring us the wrong order. Think about that. Anyway, the Webster's definition is a feeling of delight, happiness. Well, Webster's a little bit confused there. Happiness, gladness, a source of pleasure. Right, but we're looking to God as the source, so it's joy, not happy. Peace in the Greek is irony. One peace, quietness, rest, set at one, set at one again. In the Webster, it's calm, serenity, and agreement to, to end hostilities. Right, so peace. The Bible says that the Spirit gives us peace that surpasses all understanding. So, would you think one of the fruits of the Spirit would be one of the ways that He leads us in? Who would have thought? So, long suffering in the Greek is. I'm not even going to try to pronounce it. Forbearing, fortitude, patience. The Webster says it's patiently enduring wrongs and difficulties. Patiently, that's a good definition for it right there. Patiently enduring wrongs and difficulties. So we don't just blow up at the drop of the hat. right? We endure things patiently. It's through the fruits of the Spirit that the, that the Spirit ministers to other people so many times. They see us, they see the fruit being produced in our life, and they say, what's different about that person? I want that fruit in my life. I want what they have because we look different than the world does. Are you following me? So gentleness, moral excellence in character or demeanor, gentleness, good or kindness. Moral excellence is what? Doing what's right, right? Even when people aren't looking, when no one knows who's going to do this, who did this or not, right? That's when we still do what's right. That's moral excellence. The Webster says it's considerate or kindly. Not harsh, severe, or violent. Soft, easy managed, or handled. Goodness, there's no Greek definition for goodness, but the Webster says it's the state or quality of being good, kindness, or benevolence. Faith, I'm going through this kind of fast because i got a long way to go today. Faith in the Greek is, anybody know that word? Pistis? Uh, credence, uh, conviction, reliance upon Christ for salvation, constant belief, Fidelity. So we believe even when it doesn't look like we should believe, we still believe. That's what faith is, right? Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not yet seen. We may not be able to see that healing yet, Sister Mary, but we still know that it's there because God said it was there. And when we align our faith with what God's word says, then we have reason to believe those things. We have reason to believe that we know that they're going to happen. The Webster says confident, belief, trust, 
belief in God, religious conviction, or loyalty. Meekness is number eight. Meekness in the Greek is priorities, gentleness, or humility. Webster says it's humble and patient or submissive. We have to be humble to be able to follow the Spirit. If we're not humble, we're going to think our ways are higher than his ways, and we're going to go figure it out on our own. We're going to do whatever it is that we, that's how I was running my life before I came to God. I would figure it out on my own. Some of y'all did the same things, right? It's not just me? Okay. Okay, so we have to be humble to follow the Spirit. Temperance, that's also, that's also a fruit of the Spirit. So he'll help us with being humble. And if you don't humble yourself, he'll humble you. Yeah, he will. Temperance, Greek, uh, the Greek is irkantia. I think I said that right, it doesn't matter anyway. Self-control, contentious, and the, and the Webster says moderation or self-restraint. So if you're producing these fruits out of your life, God is going to find no fault in you, it says. It says there, against such there is no law. So he's going to find no fault in you if you're producing the fruits of the Spirit out of your life, right? So there was over 630, testi- 630 laws in the Old Testament. And when Jesus was given these uh, fruits, or when Paul was given these fruits of the Spirit, that's what they were going by in the day, right? That's what these people had believed up to this point. When Jesus came and died on a tree and was rose from the dead, they were, they were still living under the law up until that point. So he was speaking to them. There was over 630 laws in the Old Testament. Testament means covenant or deal, right? This is the contract they had with God. This is how they, this is how they had to be right with God. In Galatians 5.18 says, if you're led by the Spirit, you're not bound by the law, right? None of those laws are going are to be over you if you're being led by the Spirit. You won't break the laws because the Spirit's not going to con- con- contrast what the law said anyway. Because God gave the law and the Spirit gets his information from where? From God. He gets it from God. I'm going to show you that here in Scripture in a little bit. So, so that's it, right, Pastor? And it's that simple. All I got to do is follow the Spirit, and I get these fruits in my life. All nine of them are just going to hop on me, and that's it. I'm good. Right? Well, it doesn't work like that in my life. Why do we struggle then? Why do we struggle then? Think about this. Paul was the author of, of most of the things that we're going to talk about today, and Paul wrote Romans also. And in Romans 7.15, it says this. This is Paul talking. Paul was a great man, right? Most of y'all know who Paul is. He wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. We know that he was a saint, but he wrote this. For what am I doing? I do not understand. He don't understand what he's doing. Why do I keep doing these things? I don't get it while I'm doing it. For what I will do, or what I will to do, that I do not practice. But what I hate, that I do. I keep It's not that simple. It's not that simple just to follow the Spirit, because we've been training our flesh for so long. Paul had a thorn in his flesh. Paul was plagued by his flesh also, right? There's a battle raging inside of our bodies all the time. It's between our body, it's between our flesh and our spirit. And your soul's the decider. Your mind, your will, and your emotions. That's where we have to make the decisions at. I've showed you all this before. We have the spirit, the big S, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost is here. He's on, he, he lives in our body. He speaks to us through our spirit, the little S. Make sense so far? Then we have our soul who's the decider he decides whether this side or that side my mind my will and my emotions is my soul then I have my flesh which is my body this earth suit that you see here right looks good and bald <laughs> however then you have the world who who is uh, looks good to the flesh the things of the world is what the flesh wants. That's what's comfortable to your flesh is the things of the world. So, so your soul decides back and forth. So the problem is, though, we've been trained to follow our flesh for years and years and years. Right? 
not many of us were saved when we were babies and always lived in church and stayed in church and always were trained. Even if you were, have been here for years and years and years, you haven't been training your flesh properly to follow the flesh all the time. Right? Because we struggle. We struggle. We all struggle. Even the Apostle Paul struggled, right? So Galatians 5, 19 and 21, this is what we're struggling against. Now the works of the flesh, right here, see we got the spiritual man and we got, the, and we got, the, and we got our flesh who wants the things of the world. The works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanliness, lewdness. You don't know what all these words mean, right? That's why I printed them out for you today. You can take them home with them, put them on your refrigerator. If you got a spouse, put one of the fruits of the spirit and one of the fruits of the flesh on your refrigerator. You can read them both. Lewdness, come on, sis. Idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousy, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish, ambition, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, <clears throat> 21 says, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I told you in the times past, that those who practice such things will not, will not, doesn't say maybe they'll get there, will not inherit the kingdom of God. You will not inherit the kingdom of God if you're living in your flesh. Right? We all make mistakes, though. We all foul up sometimes. We all get over there. We're being trained. We have to continue. This is why it's so critical. It's crucial for us to train our spirit all the time so that we learn to consult our spirit when our soul's decide, when our decider, our soul, our mind, our will, and emotions is making a decision. I go to my spirit first and not to my flesh man first and see what he feels like or what he thinks might be right or what everybody else is doing or what the world thinks is cool. Are you following me? Young people, this is where we live at a lot of times when we're young and, and old alike. So, idolatry. Everybody knows what that means, right? We're going to read them all. In the Greek, I can't read the word, but it's idolatry. Webster's gives a, gives a, it breaks it down a little better. Listen to this, guys. Voluntary sexual intercourse between a married man and someone other than his wife or between a married woman and someone other than her husband. Pretty clear, right? Will not inherit the kingdom of God. Right? Fornication. Fornication. The Greek is pornia. See how that's real close to pornography? A lot of our English language today comes from the Greek and the Hebrew. It does. I'll show you another one here in a little bit. Pharmakia, which is where we get the word pharmaceutical at in this. So, uh, pornia is harlotry, including adultery and incest. So, in the Webster, it says consensual sexual intercourse between two persons not married to each other. If you're having premarital sex, what's it say? You will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. Or the kingdom of God, I mean to say. You will not inherit the kingdom of God. <coughs> Uncleanliness. Greek is, uh, it means impurity, the quality, physical, or moral. If you're morally impure, if you're not doing what you know to be right, follow me? Moral or spiritually impure. Lasciviousness. Probably no one knows what this means till today, right? It means... Uh, Filthy, lasciviousness, wantedness, from Latin, lewd, lust, or lustful. To be lustful. To be lustful says it's the fruit of the flesh. We all fall into that one sometimes. It doesn't have to be a se We think of it so many times as a sexual lust. It doesn't have to be a sexual lust. We can really want a thing so bad. We can really want a job so bad. Right? We can really want a career so bad. Whatever it may be, that could be for us. 
So idolatry, the image, or the worship of an image, the worship of a physical object, that Webster says, as God. Witchcraft. Here's one right here that a lot of people, that a lot of people don't understand what it means. <coughs> witchcraft, they think you've got to have a witch and you've got to have a big pot and we make up a big thing and a batch of stuff and we put fingernails in it and toads and we stir it all up, right? That's witchcraft. Think about it on Halloween. Witch has a word on her nose. Not necessarily the case. It means pharmakia. Oh, this is where we get our word pharmacy at today. So it's magic, sorcery, witchcraft. It also, in the, in the Webster's, it says a, a use of sorcery or magic, communication with evil or familiar, familiar, and it got cut off there on your papers. It should be familiar spirits. When you're, using, when you're quickening spirits to get answers, if it's not the Holy Spirit, right, that's witchcraft. This also includes mediums. Are you following me? This includes your zodiac signs. All those things are witchcraft. They're witchcraft. People think it's not any big deal. Say, I'm a Pisces or I'm an Aquarius. Da, 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 da. That's witchcraft. The Bible says it very clearly right here. Will not inherit the kingdom of God. I'm not here to judge anybody today. I'm giving you what the word of God says. It says it right there in black and white. You can look it up in your Bible. <clears throat> Hatred means uh, hostility, a reason, uh, a reason or opposition. Webster said to hate, prejudiced. A, a head, prejudice, hostility, or animosity. Think about that. If you're prejudiced right there, that's hatred. Yes? We're going to go along quickly. <coughs> Variance. Variance means a quarrel, a wrangling, contention, debate, strife. The fact or state of being in disagreement. Uh, uh, emulsions, jealousy as of a husband, envy, envying, fervent mind. This means... This means a jealousy that you burn with anger. This is like if you, if you mess with someone's wife, that anger the husband has when he comes after you. Right? This is what he's talking about right here in emulsions. And, and the Webster says, ambitious or envious, rivalry, rivalry, ambition, endeavoring to equal or exceed. That was the wrong one. There we go. Greek, what's going to wrath? Wrath, fierceness, indignity or indignation, strong, vengeful anger. Strife, con contention, contentious strife. A lot of these were being mad and being bitter with each other, right? Yeah. And starting issues and, ha and having fights and, and being jealous and all the things that you have when you're, not, when, you're, when you're proud. Strife is bitter, sometimes violent, conflict or, or dissension. Seditions, uh, uh, dissensions or division, literally separation from. Heresies, uh, in the Greek uh, it's heresies, a choice, specifically a part or dissension, an opinion or doctrine contrary to the church doctrine. So if it's contrary to the, what the Bible says, right, that's heresies. Envies. So if we disagree on something, it's all right to have a disagreement, right? But if we disagree on something and we find that we're wrong in the word of God, who's right? The word's right every time, right? So envies. Uh, ill will, jealousy, spite, feel, or show envy. Anybody ever done any of these before? Yeah? All of us have, right? All of us have. That's what I'm showing you here, what the Bible calls sin. I'm not here to judge anyone's sin today. This is what the Bible's calling out just in this. There's other things that the Bible calls sin that, that, that is clear-cut sin. The Bible calls it out that. This is just one thing, the fruits of the flesh. This, well, these are the things that our flesh likes to be involved in. Murders. 
to slay, murder, to be slain with slaughter, the crime of unwillfully killing a person, especially with malice, drunkenness. Here's a big one right here. This is up to big, big debate in the church most, a lot of the times with people in the church. Uh, drunkenness. See the Greek word there for that? Meth. Think about that. It's not just alcohol. It's anything. It's an intoxicant. Intoxic. You see the definition there. An intoxicant uh, or intoxication. Webster says a period of drinking to intoxication or being morally intoxicated. Some people say, well, I can drink some. Jesus drank wine. Have a drink for your stomach. Now think about that. What's wrong with your stomach? They drank wine in the day because they didn't have anything else. They didn't have clean drinking water to drink. They didn't have other, they didn't have Pepsi. They couldn't go get a Dr. Pepper, baby. They drank wine because that's what they had clean to drink. Are you following me? And I believe that you probably can pull off drinking a little bit if you have a drink or whatever. I don't do it. But if you do that, you're, you might be all right with it. Until the point you come, become intoxicated. The Bible says be sober. Right? So until the point you become intoxicated. So let me ask you this. If you're living this life down and the Spirit's leading you and you're following the Spirit and you're producing some fruit and all these things are happening in your life, is it worth gambling on having that drink? Because where's the line at? There's not a clear line in the sand when you become intoxicated. Is it worth, that's where I stand at with it. Is it worth gambling that on? Because if you step over that line and Jesus steps back out on the cloud, you will not inherit the kingdom of God says right there in God's word, I'm not here to judge you. I'm not here to condemn you. I'm reading you what God's word says. It's right there. You be the judge. Will not. It says will not. It doesn't say maybe. It doesn't say, well, maybe if you only did it once, you might be all right. It says will not. Will not. Revelings. Revelings means you just completely let go and you don't care. Right? This is where I used to live at. A carousal as if letting loose. Riding to take part in revel or carouse. That's just, you're just carousing around, you're looking for trouble all the time. You do, I mean, you get the point, right? So, so Paul struggled with this, and we struggle with it, right? So those who will, let me, let me first cover verse 21. Will not, those who will not inherit the kingdom of God. So what is, it, what is it when you inherit something? When you inherit something, you're an heir, right? That's right. right? Brother Stephan's not going to get my house when I die. My heirs are going to get my house when I die. Right, And I think Katie and Grace are going to fight to the death because they both say they're never moving out. They're not moving until I'm dead. Then they don't want to move in. They want to have kids and live there anyway. So it's great that, they're, that, they're, that they love being home that much. But, but your heirs are what, get your, what, what inherit your things, right? So they're sons and daughters, right? So let, let me show you something here. If, if we're going to inherit the kingdom of God, we're his sons and daughters. Romans 8, 14, and 15 says this. For as many as are led by the Spirit, led by who? That's what we're talking about, being led by the Spirit, right? And the fruit that we produce. As many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. The sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption. Adoption. We're Christ's kids. We're we're his children. Or, Or God's kids, I mean to say God's children. But receive the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. So he's our father. He's our father. Right? How will we know he's our father? Come on, folks. We just read it in this verse. How will we know? The Spirit, but, but receive the Spirit. The Spirit tells us that he's our father. The Spirit leads us and lets us know, how'd you know you're saved? The Spirit ta- told you that you were saved, right? I don't have to tell you you're saved. I can't convince you that you're not saved because it came from the Spirit. The Spirit also tells you that you're, that you're the sons and daughters of God, right? And John 16, 13 says this. 
John 16, 13, you have, however, when he, he not an it, right? When he, the spirit of truth, has come, he, this, I used these scriptures last week. They look familiar to you? I'm trying to get you to understand them and drive them into your head. Has come, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. Where does he get his word at? From God, right? He's, he repeats what he hears. He's not telling you things on his own accord anyway, right? Jesus said he's sending another comforter, someone else for us to follow. They followed after Christ because they were Christians. You get it? Now we're following after him. Matthew seven twenty one through 23 says this. I already read 21, but we're going to read it again. 21 through 23. Since we see this here and the Spirit's the one that leads us down that path. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father. So how do we know what the will is? How will we know what the will is? You got it, sister. Linda. the Spirit's leading us into his will. We follow the Spirit. By following the Spirit, he leads us in the will of God because how does he know? He's in direct contact with God. God's speaking to the Spirit. The Spirit's speaking to us. He lives inside of me. He's speaking to me through my Spirit. Right? That makes perfect... I'm showing you this in Scripture because I don't want you to think it's just from some old bald-headed preacher that said this and he may be mistaken because it's right here in the Word. It's right here in the Word. Not everyone who says to me, Lord... Not everyone who cries out and says that Jesus is Lord is going to make it. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father. You've got to do something there for that, right? And 20, 22 says this. <coughs> you got 22? Our scriptures got messed up when the projector kicked off this morning and we lost everything on the computer for a minute. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? Come on, 23. This is Jesus talking here, by the way. It'll be read in your Bible if you look it up. And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Even though they were doing works, they were inside the church doing the works of the church. And Jesus said, I never knew you. Because they were living on this side of the page. They were still living according to the flesh. They weren't living according to the spirit. They were living according to the flesh. They weren't doing the will of the father. They weren't following. They may have said the prayer, Lord, please forgive me. But then they didn't follow after the spirit. Are you following me? They weren't producing that fruit out of their life. And they would declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye who practice lawlessness. You're practicing the fruits of the flesh. Right? A Christian is a follower of Christ. Right? He wants us to follow after the Spirit, the other comforter that he sent. I already said this to you once. He, the, the Spirit is sent here to guide us into all truth. Right? He gets his info directly from God. He's going to show us the end from the beginning. Right? Why would we go anywhere else for our help? Why would we go anywhere else for a guide? Knowing what the word says right here. Do we, do we believe what the book says? This is all in the book. You can look it up in your book. So we're all familiar with some of both sides of this page, right? We've all produced a little bit of this fruit. We've all produced a little bit of this fruit. And if we be real honest, we're probably producing both sides of the page right now. We still get mad a little bit. We get angry. My boat was messing up in the lake this week in the lake and I was being really testy and my wife said I'm not used to seeing you that way I still my flesh still acts up on me sometimes we produce a little bit of this and we produce a little bit of this right here we, we produce fruits from the flesh we produce fruits from the spirit so ask yourself this today which side of the page are you living on which side of the page are you, are, are you living on today where do you live at 
are you progressing? Are you, are you continuing to progress toward God? Not, some of us might be progressing toward, some people get in trouble when they start progressing toward the, they, they went toward God, they started producing fruit, and then they back up all of a sudden, and now they're producing fruits of the flesh again. Yes? This means amen. It happens all the time. It's sad, but it's true. It happens in all of us, even people sitting in the church. Some people fall out because of it, but, but which side of the page are you living on today? And are you progressing? If we're not pressing toward God and pressing toward God and pressing toward God and learning to follow his spirit and developing our... Ma'am, could you do something with that kid? <laughs> For those of you on the podcast, that's my child. I'm talking to my wife. It was a joke. <clears throat> so if we're not pressing in toward God and developing our spirit all the time, then we'll back up. You follow me? Are you progressing daily? This, this, is, this is a daily walk. It's, it, it, it's not all at once. I'm not here to tell you what you've done wrong today, though. That's not what I read you these things for. I'm just showing you the difference in the contrast in producing fruit of the Spirit or producing fruit of the flesh. I'm not trying to get anybody's business, just showing you the contrast of it, right? I'm not here to nag you. Grace would say, when I get on to Grace, one of my kids about something, they'd say, well, Kylie did it too. Well, she did it, so I thought it was all right. But we know what we're supposed to be doing. The Bible says, for him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. If you know that it's not right, then it's sin to you. If you know that you're not following the Spirit, and it's hard to follow the Spirit sometimes. It's, it's tough to hear from him, especially when you're seeing things happen or you're feeling pain or, or, or things are happening in your life or there's a loved one that's down or, or whatever the case may be. It's extremely hard to hear from the Spirit sometimes. But we have to continue to develop that Spirit. Continue to develop ourselves. Continue to stay in our word. Continue to do what's morally right, what we know. We may not know everything, but we know what's not right, right? And, and we know that we need to follow him all the time. So most of us already know what we're doing wrong, right? But sometimes it needs to be brought to our remembrance. Sometimes we need to have it spelled out for us and see some definitions on a page. And, and it caused me to realize that I mess up sometimes. I, I already do that I messed up sometimes, but it caused me to see it in some other areas. But maybe that I, I mean, with, with just like I said, we'll go on the boat and things like that. So I'm not here to nag, but I'm here to help you today. I, I, I believe that's why God gave me this message today is, is for help. It helped me out, and I, I believe it'll help you out. And, and ultimately, in the big picture thing, he's given me a whole series on the spirit, on, on his spirit. And, and, I, and, and it was first to bring it out that he lives inside of us. Then he's, he's always leading us and we need to follow him. We've got to learn to follow him and, and the fruit that it produces in our life when it follows him. And, and I believe the church today, the, the Pentecostal Church of God used to be, uh, I mean, you saw people slain in the spirit all the time. You saw Holy Ghost runaway kind of meetings. And, and frankly, we just don't see that much anymore. And I believe it's because a lot of people, a lot of younger Christians don't know what that is. They don't know about the Holy Ghost. They don't know about being infilled with the Holy Ghost. They don't know what it means. They don't know who he is. They don't know him on a personal level. So I believe that's why God's given me this series is to teach on these things and, and try to bring our church along and, and, and so that we become more familiar with, it, with, with him and, and who he is and what he does and how he operates in my life. Amen. And then maybe we, we, we'd be more comfortable because, I mean, a lot of younger Christians kind of panic when you talk about being filled with the Holy Ghost. You can have a prayer line to ask them to come up and, and lay hands on them to ask for them to be filled. And guess what? Not many of them will come. They stay back because it seems a little bit crazy to them. And they're a little bit afraid of it because it's unknown. My, my pastor when I was growing up used to say, the church is afraid of the very thing that it should be full of. 
So maybe he's giving me these messages to, to help us to understand who he is and, and just educate us about him a little bit. So we're here to help this, though. And, and, and if it takes bringing it to remembrance for the older, older Christians or, or maybe shed a light on it for a newer Christian, or, or maybe we just need to get to know him better. Maybe we became kind of stagnant. We just need to know him better. It's, these messages like this are to get us help, though. And, and our help is in the word. My help is in the word, and your help is in the word, the word of God. And, and he knows everything from the beginning anyway, so why else would we go anywhere else for help besides to him? Church, we have to go to him all the time. And uh, two more pages of notes, and I'm on overtime already. Galatians 5.16 says this. This is right before the fruits of the spirit and the fruits of the flesh. So you should go back and read the whole chapter if you've got time. I say then, walk in the spirit... And you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So if we're following after the spirit, our flesh will crucify our flesh. Does that make sense? But it says walk. That word there, walk, in the Greek means to make one's way, right? The, the flesh or the spirit. You're going to make your way one way or the other. You'll make your way to one side of this page. You're going to walk toward this side or you're going to walk toward this side. You choose. I can't choose for you. I don't get to choose. Your soul is the chooser, Right? So it, it means to, to, to make one's way, to progress, to make due use of opportunities. There's opportunities that come by us every day. Every single day there's opportunities. Whether they look big or whether they look small, we overlook so many of them because we don't think much. We, we think they're small or whatever, but opportunities come. and we, we have to make due use of those opportunities. That's to walk. That's the everyday thing. Walking it down. To tread all around is also another meaning of it. To tread all around. When you make a path, when there's a path tread down, I've talked about this in here before, you don't walk across the grass one time and make a path, right? A really well-worn path doesn't have any grass on it, and the dirt's indented down in it. Where it's compacted that you've walked over it and walked over it, and walk, you've treaded that thing down over and over and over and over again. That's what this word means, to walk. So if we walk it down that way, if we're walking in the Spirit, you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. The fruit doesn't fan manifest overnight. Right? It has to grow from, think about this, it has to grow from a seed. I have, I have strawberries planted at my house that all the kids helped grow from a seed, just little bitty, teeny tiny seeds, and we planted them, and they got about this tall last year, and in one season they got about that tall, and they produced strawberries maybe the size of my pinky nail. Little bitty things, but it didn't happen overnight. If, you, if I'd have planted those seeds out there and went and looked at the next day, I wouldn't have found much, right? There wouldn't have been any fruit produced there. It takes time. It doesn't happen overnight. It, 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 it takes time. It has to grow from a seed. But all nine seeds were planted the day you were saved. All these nine seeds of the fruits of the flesh, or the fruits of the Spirit, I mean to say, were all planted in your heart the day that you received Christ as your Savior. The day the Holy Ghost moved inside of you, all those nine seeds were planted. But it's what we're doing with them. It's the choices we make. Which side of the page we decide to go to. We're making choices all the time. So... So the Spirit's inside of us, and we have to choose that. So you choose either the flesh or the Spirit. And it's not just a one-time decision. It's not just saying, Pastor, I'm going to give my heart to God today. I'm coming to the altar. I'm going to cry a little bit. I'm going to snot a little bit down there. I'm going to use two or three Kleenexes. And that's the decision I made. That's not it. The decision is all the decisions we make every day. It's all the time. It's ongoing. That's what I'm trying to get. There's no gray area. Or there's no gray area. It's either black or white. Every decision we make, black or white, right? God gave us the free will so we can make these decisions. Here's an easier way to make it. When you're driving along and you come to a T in the road, you can't turn both ways. There's no gray area. You're turning this way, 
toward the flesh or you're turning this way toward the spirit. That's it. One way or the other. This is why it's so important to develop our spirit. We have to develop our spirit so that we can hear from him. So we know which way to turn. When we come to that T in the road and there's a decision to be made, and there will be decisions to be made, there'll be decisions to be made before the end of the day. May not seem like big things, but they are. Every decision is paramount. There's no black or white. It's either flesh or you're following the spirit. You're following the world or you're following God in every decision we make. From what music we listen to to the friends we hang out with. You follow me? What we do with our mouth as far as we, how we use our words. right? We're either building people up or we're tearing them down all the time. No gray area. It's black or white. Can I ever hear about it this time? Daddy, I thank you for this day, Lord, and I love you, Father, and I praise you, Lord. I pray that you would cause this word, Lord, your words, Father, to fall on good, rich, deep soil today, Father God. Lord, cause these things to produce a bountiful harvest, Father God. Cause us to build up our spirits. Do something, Lord. Make a, make, make a commitment somehow today with you, Father God, to build our spirit, Lord. Cause us to read our Bibles more, to spend more time with you, Father God, to shut up sometimes, Lord, and just listen to you, Father. Listen for your spirit, Father God. Cause us to be more, uh, more sensitive to your spirit, Lord, more attuned to your spirit, Daddy, that we would hear you in every decision that we make, Father. We thank you for this, Dad, and we praise you for this, Father. Lord, I pray that you would keep this body safe, Father God. Bring us back here again on Wednesday with guests, Father. Lord, I pray that you would protect us from sin, protect us spiritually, protect us physically, Lord, protect us financially, protect us in every way, Father. Lord, cause everything that our hands touch, Lord, to prosper, Dad. In Jesus' name we pray these things, Daddy. Amen.